All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Friday to you. Uh, well, to those of you that are live streaming, that is, with us, um, welcome. I hope it's been a wonderful week for you. Been quite an interesting week here. Variety of things going on that uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more about in the coming weeks and months. But uh, in the meantime, um, if you are live streaming with us today, don't be shy. Make sure to jump in and join the conversation. You can ask questions. A comment on the conversation at hand, even send us a funny emoji or two if you'd like to. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio or watching the restream after the fact, if you go to Instagram, Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast on Instagram and follow us there, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule. We'll usually do one, in some cases, two episodes a week, in the live stream. And then of course, we'll be pushing that to audio after the fact. Would love to have you come join the show live so you can take advantage of the opportunity to ask myself and our guests questions as we get through these various topics. All right, well, enough of that. I do want to introduce a brand new guest actually today on the Boca podcast. Thanks so much, Lucy, for, Lucy Dumas is here with me. Lucy, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. Thank you so much, Nathan, for having me on the show. It's really an honor. You know, you have such a great, great uh, podcast and wonderful followers, I'm sure. I would say so. <laughs> We're pretty lucky to to have this community, and I appreciate you coming to kind of lend your expertise and um, knowledge too. Having been in industry for a little while, in fact, I want to use that kind of as a segue to ask you a question we didn't plan on ahead of time, but I wanted to get your take on this. You probably heard in the last day or two that WPPI, um, one of the largest wedding and portrait organizations, conferences, trade shows in the industry, has has canceled their print competition. Has you heard anything about that? Sure. Yeah. And I'm just curious to kind of get your, your hot take on that. What are your thoughts about the way that the industry is shifting? And in this particular case, the way that trade shows and conferences are shifting a little bit. Well, it's interesting because have you heard that PPA has changed how they're doing their print competition? No, I didn't hear that. Oh, so they're going monthly. Interesting. Okay. So very interesting. And PPA's response are uh, Jeff Dachowski, who's the president, mm -hmm. just this morning posted his feeling that uh, it's sad and they hope that they regroup. And he, um, he said that a lot of people think there's money for the organization in print comp, but it's actually not a profitable activity. It's a service. And I'm a huge proponent of, of getting critique and entering our work in print comp and setting goals, goals like your master or craftsman in PPA. Um, so I, with WPPI, I don't know what the outcome other than, I, I think they've added some awards and different things. I'm not up on that, but um, yeah, it's interesting because it, you know, it's my heart. I've judged, I don't know, 50, 60 times uh, with the local and some state, PPA affiliates, including Mexico. It was fun to be oh, translated. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Have to stop and and let let them translate. And uh, it actually helped me simplify my program because I couldn't just babble on and on. And on. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that answered your question, but no, uh, yeah, I do find it do find it interesting. Now, there's a difference. WPPI is a for-profit organization. Do me a favor, Lucy. You're kind of shifting out of frame just a little bit. Oh. Shift to your right a little bit. There we go. Now we got you. Perfect. Okay. Keep, yeah, yeah I didn't going. know if I had the whole... I was trying to do a little, um, like, add some uh, 
composition, but compositional I, interest. In yeah, square. shift to the shift to the third. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the square. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's those are my thoughts this morning. Well, I just wanted to get your just quick take on it um, because I know that there are a lot of photographers that are upset and. There's, I have, I can certainly empathize. Um, I think at least to mm-hmm. a point with with photographers that are upset about it. I'm also a little bit curious, though, at the same time. And and again, with your extensive experience in print comp, you can speak more to this. I was in PPA for a number of years. In fact, I was president of our local guild and certainly involved in the the print um, judging process, uh, the competition at the local level. And uh, I I don't know. I, I see the certainly the benefits for photographers having their work judged, analyzed, ultimately critiqued, feedback given, constructive criticism given for the sake of continuing to refine their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, from that standpoint, I understand the potential loss. But when we're talking about building a photography business, the reality is our end client, 90, 95% of the time, first of all, has no idea that print comps even exist. And it certainly doesn't really affect their experience of our business in the end on a grand scale. So I'm wondering what the actual loss is. So I, I can see from both sides, what are your thoughts about kind of the balance therein? Good question. Um, so the, one of the benefits for me in uh, competing and working towards, and I earned my master's degree, I don't know, a thousand years ago, maybe. <laughs> I've been in this business for 40 years. Sure. Um, the benefit to the client is that I began to put on print competition eyes when I photograph. So that beyond the, yes, this is a sellable image, it would be beautiful as wall art, or, you know, the shooting for that, to also be thinking, how could I refine this? to make it just that much closer to what um, a competition image might look like. Because I, I love to enter work from my clients as well. And I, I got into the habit then of every session I did, trying to push myself a little bit. So, and also it gave me confidence. When I got my master's, it wasn't like I thought, oh, well, I'm the best there is. But it it gave me that, you know, people are always talking about the imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome. Right. And so I think it it can build that confidence. You that know, it grows sense. you as an artist. Um, and it doesn't hurt to have, you know, master photographer, blah, 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 blah. It's not like clients then, uh, what is it, beat a path to your door? <laughs> well, right, because <laughs> oh, they don't know what that is. They have no idea what it is. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this too because over the years, of course, I've attended various conferences, including PPA, a number of times I've spoken there as well. And I see photographers walking around literally with medals around their neck. And it's mm-hmm. this kind of weird ego thing that is only very specific to the photography industry. Like you said, it has little to no bearing on the client experience in the end. And so I'm very torn because I'm, Again, while I see the benefit to the individual photographer continue to refine their skills, and I think that's a wonderful thing, and it should absolutely be done, I also don't see the end benefit for the business. And so I I just have mixed feelings on the whole thing. Right, right. For me, when I see people with the medals and as the bars are going up, uh, bars means that they're continuing to serve the industry, speak, write, judge, be, you know, presidents of things, enter print competition. So it tells me that these people are super committed to this 
industry. And so if I have a question, I'll go ask somebody who's, uh, I always say, master photographers never die. They just choke on their bars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because some of my friends, you know, they're like, they had to get a second ribbon right. to make it work. Sure. Um, so it's just one of those. Now, I don't, I don't enter print comp very much because the benefits of always imagining I'm going to enter is a habit, even though I don't enter. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think so. Just because the intention is there ultimately, right? To continue to refine your right. craft. Right, right. Yeah. And always create the best photograph I've ever done in the history of ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having those, you know, PPA uh, print comp goggles on just help me in every way. So... I, it's funny, as you're talking, I'm, I'm likening, this is going to be a very funny comparison to make, but I'm likening it to um, going to the gym, like a guy that goes to the gym and gets all these big muscles, right? It's a, a, a lady may or may not, depending on her preferences, be attracted to the guy, or a guy may be attracted to the guy based on this aesthetic. The aesthetic mm -hmm. is nice. It's a bonus. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make a relationship. Um, and, and I'm thinking about these, these print competitions and the associated awards is something similar it's good to, on an individual level, push ourselves, if we're comparing it to the gym, to, to stay fit, to stay healthy, um, and to bring, kind of take ourselves to the next level as an individual, but it doesn't make or break the business in the end, or it doesn't make, or in the context of a relationship, it doesn't make or break the relationship in the end. Is that a, is that a, right. a fair comparison? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I guess my thought is, if I liked big muscly guys, the muscles would tell me, not just from the outside, oh, I like how he looks, but that he's committed to fitness, that mm. he's committed to a certain lifestyle. Right. So it's the inner commitment. The discipline and the um, commitment, yeah. Right, right. So there's one other point that um, just entered my brain is entering print competition to me is an act of generosity because there's so much to learn when you wander. And that's the sad part of WPPI is that opportunity to look at images of excellence and be inspired by them. Um, yes, sometimes you can be humbled by them. Like I've seen images where I've thought, that's it, I'm selling my cameras, I'm quitting, I stink, because someone else did something so incredible. Mm. But um, it, it, pushes others to be better. I like when I'm at uh, PPA, I like to take a little group around the print comp and talk about competition or composition and impact and um, get other people's take on images. So to, to do that effort and share what you're doing, I think contributes to our industry as a whole. Sure, sure. That makes sense as well. Well, I think at the end, I, and this we'll save this part of the conversation maybe for another day, I, it, these decisions or this particular decision and certainly the decisions that WPPI as, as an organization has been making and its parent company has been making now for the last few years. Uh, I remember going to WPPI, I think it was three years ago or maybe four years ago, 
And when I left, maybe even longer than that, five years ago, when I left, I, I posted on social media at that time. I said, this is kind of the beginning of the end. There's an obvious shift that's happening here. When you have a corporation who is so out of touch and not even paying attention really to photographers, the way photographers think, there's, there's just no real relevance there between this corporation that owns the organization and then the people that are running the organization and ultimately who they're really serving. That's, that's what's most important. When, when there's a disconnect there, it's going to be very obvious. And that disconnect has been pretty obvious for a while. The fact that they would choose to do, to take something away that is so important to so many of the photographers attending this organization or they're part of this organization, some of whom may in some cases only be attending specifically for the print competition. They've been to classes. They've been in the, the industry for 15, 20 years. They're, they're not needing to go to a class. They just want to go be part of the community and be, and be part of this print competition, continue to better themselves. The fact that the organization would remove that just, again, seems to be yet another indication that they're kind of out of touch with the industry. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I don't even expect you to comment on that. Just kind of my, my hot take on it. And I think it's unfortunate, but I think it's also encouraging in some ways because it gives opportunity to uh, myself, for example, we're actually doing a conference in January and, and others oh. in the industry to launch something that's smaller, but is more <laughs> self-aware in, in a sense, more in touch with the industry, what the industry is looking for, what it needs, what it wants, and to create smaller communities that are much more service oriented and in touch with the community than what some of these larger, larger organizations have been. So anyway, we'll leave that alone because we're really here I, to talk. I just have one quick, yeah, 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 I just sure. have one quick comment. I think it also might mean that they are struggling because it is a lot of work and a sure. lot of money to do the print comp. So it may be that financially it makes sense and, and that it's, it, I agree. It could, I do feel they're not as in touch with, what we need is they could be. Um, well, I would but, venture you know, that they're maybe it's a maybe it's venture... a financial oh, and energy. You know, maybe there's a connection, money wise and energy wise, and the complications and staffing and all of that. You know, maybe that's a challenge. I would floating. probably, but I, you know, chicken or the egg, right? So I, I think right. that these financial issues are again indication of a downward trend as an organization that my opinion, but as a result of being out of touch with the industry. If you're putting on an event or events or creating a service or a product that is developed from a sense of, I call it self-awareness, but really awareness of the industry and what the industry wants, what it needs. Mm -hmm. We have a, a really interesting industry in that if you are developing a product or a service that is based on what that industry wants or needs at the time, it's actually relatively easy to start and build a company. And I can say this from personal experience. So if, an, mm -hmm. if a company or an organization is failing in an industry like ours, who is very willing, by the way, to spend money on service and product um, or to go to conferences, there are endless educational courses and conferences that photographers are spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on. So it's not that we're not willing to go where we want to go. But if there is indication of a downward trend in this case, I think it's more a reflection of, again, a lack of awareness on the part of WPPI, but really the parent organization when it comes to what they've done with that organization and, and the conference and trade show over the last few years. Right. And, um, and, and I've, I've been in the industry. I mean, you talk about being in it for about 40 years. I've been in it now for about 20 years. And I've seen, you know, when I started, we were in film. We made that transition to digital. And of course, a lot has changed within the marketplace and also within our industry over the last 20 years. 
And so I'm, I'm commenting, these comments come from experience and extensive observation over the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think it's unfortunate, certainly for the organization. And ultimately, I have some really fond memories of WPPI over the years. But mm -hmm. we, we, you get people in place that are about money in the end and little else, then you're going to see some behavior that reflects that. And unfortunately, there's, in this case, a downward trend as a result. So anyway, right. I, I appreciate you taking time to just to kind of share yeah. your thoughts on that. But what we're really here to talk about today, actually, is how to sell more wall prints, which is an yes. interesting conversation, especially in, in light of what we were talking about, how the industry has shifted. Before we jump to that, just briefly, if you will, we introduce your, yourself, your brand, um, and what it is that you're doing as a photographer. So I've been in this business 40 years. I did weddings for 12 and then kids and families. And then about seven years ago, I decided to officially become a business coach because I've always mentored. And uh, so now I have, you can see down there, lucydumascoaching.com. So I do one-on-one -on -one in group coaching to help people. It's called The Profitable Photographer. And I have a podcast that um, has awesome people on it, like Nathan. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I believe in evolving. Mm. And uh, so that's, that's what this has evolved into for now. I don't photograph that much. Uh, COVID really made that big change because I then stopped marketing uh, diligently to to portraits sure and uh so that's my story well i always like to just for the sake of context lucy make sure that our listeners and viewers know that um if we're having a photographer on who's to talk about something um other than just running a photography business that they know that you are an experienced photographer and i'm going to pull your website up here actually just uh, for anybody who's curious if you go to lucy l-u-c-i-d-u-m-a-s lucydumas.com um, you can see Lucy's beautiful work there, even if she's not actively photographing right now, has extensive experience in the photographic realm. And um, so make sure you check that out. We'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. You can also follow Lucy at the profitable photographer underscore pod, uh, the podcast, of course, and find the profitable photographer podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts. And then you can go to lucydumascoaching.com. For anybody who is not live streaming or watching the replay of the live stream, uh, you may not have seen that on screen, but um, we, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I was, I was sharing my screen. There we go. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do this one more time. LucyDumas.com and then the profitable photographer underscore pod on Instagram and then LucyDumasCoaching.com. I thought I was sharing my screen. Apologies there. Um, and of course, we'll link to all of these in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com for those that are just listening to the audio. But Lucy, let me go ahead and transition right into our topic here because sure. this is an interesting one and one that we've not spent a lot of time on. I'd love to get your take on this because this honestly was not a real strength of mine as a photographer. Uh, I was focused on charging a premium. I was a wedding photographer as well for about 10 years and I was charging a premium up front and really just trying to make my money there. And I didn't want to spend the additional time in sales after the fact, but I was just interviewed for a, a podcast um, uh, and Facebook group yesterday. And one of the questions that was asked is what would you do differently? If you went back and ran your photography business now, what would you do differently? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I threw out there was IPS because I know I left a lot of money on the table, especially when it came to selling individual prints. What would you say is the kind of the motivation or the reason for your passion for these physical wall prints um, to start with? Good question. So this business for me is not primarily about making money, although I, love making money and 
I'm the queen of sales. Uh, so yeah, but my passion is about family legacies, about hmm. people getting the maximum value out of the the effort that I put into creating photographs. <clears throat> and so I feel, <coughs> sorry. <clears throat> so my personal job description is to provide finished art that families will treasure for generations. And uh, yes, I probably could have made the same income. I would have had to do more sessions. Um, now, if we're talking about weddings, I just feel like for my own satisfaction, not delivering a finished album um, is is a disservice to clients because they're not going to do it. They don't know how. I had a photographer when I was first, my first wedding, um, that was a friend and he gave me the negatives. And it took me a year to figure out how to put a nice wedding album together because I was new in the business. Sure. So uh, I, I just personally cannot bear the thought that people have these images and they've got them digitally and maybe they make a few prints, but they crop them wrong. Um, you know, they do a cheap album that's going to fall apart. So that that's where my heart for this comes from is really service. And so let me play devil's advocate for just a second. We and I've heard this narrative um, over the years, obviously being in the industry for so long about how we might be doing a disservice for our clients if we're not offering physical products. But that's, again, just playing devil's advocate, I understand where you're coming from, but that's that's what we are saying as photographers, right? That's like It's like a photographer um, spending half an hour talking about how an image was had too much cyan or magenta in it. Like a client doesn't care about the stuff that photographers care about, and yet we assume that we know what's best for the client in, in this particular context, that they need an album, that they need physical prints. How would you respond to that? I do know better than them because okay. I, I know, like I found a tintype of, I don't know, it's some relative and tintype. So this is probably at least 140 years old. Um, and it's of a woman that looks just like my sister. And because I've always treasured photographs and I know as a person who's lived some years, how much it means to find images or to look at images every day printed beautifully, um, whether it's of people we love or, well, I love myself too, but even a print of myself that I have large in my home, it has emotional impact. Mm. So I, I feel like people don't know what they're missing and they can't know uh, unless I provide that for, or not just me, but if we don't provide that for them and they think they just want digitals, okay. um, it's like a doctor. I, I guess I feel like I'm sort of a photo doctor where <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I just want to take two aspirin and my doctor says, no, you need a whole transplant or, mm. you know, try not to, you know, yeah. that's, that's my job. And maybe some people don't want it, don't need it. That's fine too, because I, I work with people who it, sometimes they already know that what they want, but 
I like to inspire them to understand the treasure that this will be. I have stories that I'll tell people about um, my sister's wedding album and and the argument between my parents and her in-laws about spending good money on photography. And 60 years, no, I don't know, not that long ago. But anyway, we've looked at that image or that book hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times sure. over the decades. And, um, you know, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. providing what, what they... What, plenty of photographers they feel very not, similar to you. Yeah, what, what yeah, they wouldn't have right. otherwise. And I understand that, it, you know, especially... I mean, it's very easy, not just in the context of photography, to kind of project our own personal experience onto clients, but ultimately to add value uh, to, or not just to clients, but to people in general, right? We've had certain experiences mm -hmm. ourselves. We don't want somebody, especially if they're negative in nature, we don't want somebody to have that same negative experience. Um, or flip the other way, we've had a really great positive experience in, in your case and your story with this particular album, and you want somebody else to have that very similar experience. And so ultimately, you want to offer that to your clients, the opportunity for them to have that very similar experience. Totally understand that thought process. I just think it's a very interesting kind of point of conversation in an industry that, as you mentioned, or as we talked about earlier, is continuing to shift on an ongoing basis, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be so easy to get stuck in the way that we've done things over the last five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. I remember still to this day that a very poignant experience for me anyway, and that there was a, um, a local lab that I used to have prints done at when I was shooting film, and actually even as I continued into digital. And that particular lab owner, uh, I, would, I would go into the lab. I, I mean, I'd, I'd been doing this now for years. I've been going to this lab, having conversation with them, kind of had a personal relationship with them. Uh, and so it was kind of enjoyable in that way. But I began to go into to this lab as the industry was beginning to shift to online gallery systems. And this lab owner would continue to complain about the shift in the industry in this direction. Obviously, he owns a physical lab. He wants people to go to a physical lab, to spend money at a physical lab. And meanwhile, we've got these other companies that are going into the online space and offering print services through that online gallery as well. And he just continued to complain about it. And I finally said to him one day, I was like, look, you can, you can complain about it or you can do something about it, right? You can shift, mm -hmm. you can evolve. You used that word evolve earlier. I think that's a really good word. It's an important word. You can evolve with the times, understanding what people are wanting now and cater to that. And I, I think it's very easy to get comfortable with the way that things have been and the way that, think, that we've been doing things, even as individuals, right? In our personal lives, we get comfortable with a particular thing and we get stuck there. It's easy to get stuck. But evolution... Um, not only makes for a more, way more interesting life, um, but in the context of business makes for a much stronger business as well. And mm -hmm. so I think it's a very interesting conversation when, when we get to this conversation about physical prints versus digital products and photographers kind of bashing the idea of quote unquote shoot and burn or giving digital files to clients. Certainly it takes away opportunity to make money. Um, and it certainly from, from your perspective, it takes away from the opportunity to be able to deliver to them an overall experience that kind of transcends time, right? They have a physical product that ideally they can continue to enjoy for years and years to come versus just digital files on a drive. But I just wonder if there's it's some kind of a, I don't know, like a, a middle ground in that conversation somewhere, which also acknowledges mm -hmm. the fact that most people like to just be able to look at images on their phone, for example, or sure. images on their computer. Sure. Yeah. So um, you mentioned the money aspect. Um, and so... Anyway, I'm stepping back just a little bit. So my second reason uh, for being so passionate about selling prints is that I feel it is the fastest way to make the most profit. Hmm. Uh, one of my coaching clients 
just posted that she had her first $10,000 sale of a portrait session. Wow. And we spent almost six months or more getting her, and she was doing okay selling digital only. And so had to work on developing her confidence and the skill to sell. And um, now she's, she's all in because when you, when you photograph a session and then you sit with them and you show them the work and you guide them and you help them, I think it's a lot easier for them to spend thousands than, um, especially in the portrait world, then if you say, okay, it's going to be $10,000 and you get all the digitals, that's a tough sell. Mm. And so what I've seen with my coaching clients and my friends is that transition is allowing them to make much more income time for dollars. That makes sense. Well, and like I said earlier, weddings I... are a little different. Weddings are a little bit different um, because you are selling the whole thing up front but when i help people and when i did weddings i always had upsell after so if somebody gave me five thousand dollars in the beginning then the in-person sale after the wedding they're going to add another two three four five thousand in products so you know i think a hybrid of including digital files that match what you've purchased it as prints can work in the wedding industry. I have a strategy where they can add to their package um, a collection of digitals, but I think it's the way to make money. Fair enough. So serve the clients, but get the money. (laughs) (laughs) No, fair. I mean, like I said earlier, I know I left a lot of money on the table not doing this proactively or Mm -hmm. very intentionally most of the time in, in my career. And I did it for the sake of time. Uh, but I'm sure there was a way that I could have figured out how to build this into our workflow that wouldn't have taken that much more time. But as you point out, would have given me the opportunity to, to add to our margin in the end. Um, and so right. on that note, I, I want to go ahead and jump into first, what are certain behaviors and we'll call it behaviors or even thought processes. Do you feel kind of before we get into the practical application, like these are the things you need to do to sell more wall prints. First, mm-hmm. what do you think is limiting photographers? What behaviors or thought processes are limiting photographers and their ability to sell more wall prints? Good, good question. First of all, I think people are afraid to sell. I think there's a big um, fear of not being too salesy, not knowing how, uh, that imposter syndrome I mentioned a little bit. So, you know, we start out, most of us as photographers and artists and want to make a living at this or some income at this. And we don't start out, Hey, I want to sell. I want to, um, learn how to, uh, have prints done right. And, and all of that. So I think it's, it's the fear of selling. And then number two, I think it's the lack of the skill of how to sell. I, I was lucky. My mom is a natural born salesperson. Um, uh, the first the time I can remember selling something creative is I walked around the block when I was a little girl. I wasn't allowed to cross the street, but I could walk around the whole block. And I picked the neighbor's fa- flowers. <laughs> okay. I 
didn't realize God didn't just put flowers there. And then I went home, made little bouquets, and walked around and knocked on their door and sold them to the neighbors. So, you know, I think selling is a is an art and mm. it's creative and mm. it's exciting. But I think people who don't know and don't have a system, um, that's the one thing. Um, I also think people are a little bit afraid to have feedback on their work. So if you can photograph and then sit at home and send off the the files, then you the the risk of somebody being unhappy and you actually being there to see it, I think interesting is an issue. But the truth is that one of the big values is when you're with people and you see their reaction to me, that's the goal. That's 90% why I love doing the photography for people is they laugh, they cry, they hug me. Uh, one of my clients uh, came back 25 years later because she wanted to make a book of images for her son, who's now 20 years old. And she said, um, buying the art for me, the photographs and the albums was the best money she ever spent in that whole 25 years. And that, knowing that I developed a relationship and put the effort into providing something that I know the likelihood that she would have put it together in the professional way that is still, those wall portraits are still beautiful. Um, anyway, so it just feels really good to get the feedback. So that's number, number two. Three. That was number three. Okay. <laughs> so the question again is why? Well, yeah, the, li the um, limitations for photographers. I mean, you mentioned these, and we, we can just kind of focus on these three if you want. But one is the fear of selling. Two is the lack of skills, selling skills, um, right. which is, I think, an interesting, like those first two are very interesting to me because fear in many, if not most cases, comes from a lack of understanding, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually struggled with financial management um, as a wedding photographer because I didn't understand how to manage my finances more effectively. I didn't understand how to think about my income as it related to taxes effectively. Mm -hmm. And then rather than facing that fear and going and getting the education I needed, I just kind of existed in that state of fear, which then limited me. And I, we, we brought in insane amounts of money as wedding photographers. I'd have a lot more to show for it now had I known how to better manage my money at that point. But right. the fear got in the way, but that fear is rooted in a lack of understanding, right? Or mm -hmm. if somebody gets afraid of flying, largely, again, rooted in a lack of understanding about not only the safety of airplanes, but the very tiny, tiny, tiny chance that anything actually bad is going to happen in an airplane, right? As a result of turbulence or otherwise. And, and mm -hmm. of course, the list goes on and on. But that fear can come from a lack of understanding. So I think those first two points are really, really very interesting. But you said fear of feedback as well. And I know a lot of photographers struggle with a sense of uh, comfort in themselves or with themselves. There is a, a certain insecurity um, in mm -hmm. that I've seen pretty consistent in, in the photography industry, especially with newer photographers. So I can imagine that putting themselves in a place where, as you said, they could potentially get some negative feedback when they're presenting a physical product could be a little bit overwhelming. Did you ever face that as a photographer? Did you ever get constructive oh feedback? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. You know, you get, now it's rare and I've learned that oftentimes the negative feedback is because they're angling for a discount. 
and that they actually love what I produced. Okay. But, you know, you can't please them all. But honestly, I was surprised at uh, how much people loved some images that (laughs) if I if I look back on things I did, you know, many, many, many years ago, I'd be like, oh, did they actually buy that? (laughs) But we're selling people back to themselves when we're doing wedding and portrait Mm. photographs. So even if we don't do things perfectly, they're in love with the subjects. So we have a little, it's almost, it's almost unfair. (laughs) As long as we basically do a, a decent job and I know everybody out there is doing a fabulous job, but, um, if we even do okay, our clients are going to love it. Hmm. The other thing is when we sit with our clients, so this is in the, in the, what do we call it? Anyway, the benefits, not the fear, but we learn what people love when we sell in person. So we don't spend as much time, you know, if you are sitting showing a wedding uh, collection and they never buy certain images that you work really hard at a wedding to create, like, I don't know, a picture of the spoons or something <laughs> with nice bokeh. <laughs> uh, that that tells you that what they want is this. And as an artist, I might think that spoon bokeh out is an amazing piece of art, but it isn't right. important to them. Right. So, yeah. so that, that fear of the feedback actually is our friend. I like that. Okay. Well, let's, let's transition here. And we've got just a few minutes okay. to talk about kind of proactive uh, steps, shall we say, to take, to become better salespeople when it comes mm-hmm. to a physical print, a wall print, by the way, I will say it, it's, even though I didn't sell a lot of them, probably my favorite thing as far as selling a product goes to my clients was those large wall prints. You know, mm-hmm. even something as relatively small as a 16 by 20, but like a 20 by 30, 30 by 40. One of the coolest experiences I ever had uh, was I actually photographed a bridal session for one of my best clients. And um, we, we photographed at the ruins of an old house, absolutely stunning mm-hmm. location. I ended up doing part of the session with my six by six medium format camera. And mm-hmm. from that particular part of the session, she ordered a 40 by 40 around which she then ordered a foot wide frame. So this is this 52 by 52 inch masterpiece, if you will, that was sitting Mm -hmm. on an easel in the entrance of an art museum where they had one of their receptions, their wedding receptions. It was the coolest experience. So I I know what it feels like to to be able to do that with a client. It feels incredible. How can photographers take, or I guess what steps should they take to, to more consistently, more effectively sell these large prints? So first of all, Selling to me at its best is where we position ourselves as a trusted advisor. And that doesn't happen with uh, some texts and some TikTok conversations or however people are communicating <laughs> on the Internet. It, it starts with developing a relationship. So I'm a huge advocate of using the dang telephone. <laughs> and I know... Uh, People are like, oh, I'm phone phobic, and I have trouble picking up the phone when I've got leads as well. But having a system on the phone where you're not just talking, knowing when to bring up money, and to me it's not until they've 
either fallen in love with the idea of what we'll be creating together or feeling really excited to possibly work with me. Um, I don't give any pricing until we've had a chance to get acquainted. And, mm. and part of that phone call is about listening to them, asking really nice, deep questions that are beyond, you know, where's your wedding or how old is your child yep. or yep. things like that. Agreed. Um, so starts with the intention, the big umbrella of trusted advisor. I love that. And, and then at that phone call, we're planting seeds for purchase. So if someone decides, yes, they want to take it to the next step, which is a consultation, then I ask them to uh, photograph and measure any spaces that could be beautiful places for photographic art. It's like this wall behind me. Um, if they're like, well, I have this great big blank wall, I'd ask them to measure it and take a picture of the room. And what that does is that gets them thinking about it. And if I was imagining wall art there that wasn't there, it would look even more empty. So I would start to get the desire for wall art. So then my next step is a consultation where I show them in person uh, larger prints and books and get to know them more. And uh, if they decide to book at that point, I've planted more seeds. Um, I've let them know how they're going to order, which is from a projector in my conference room. And that that one time when we're together is when they're going to order. Um, and then during the session, I'm always keeping in mind possible winners. And I plant seeds during the session as well. Like, oh my gosh, this might be the one over the fireplace. Um, and I photograph in a way that for portraits as a storyteller. So I'm not uh, uh, showing up, getting what I think I need to to sell the wall portraits and going home, I'm also pushing myself and uh, working to get a collection of images that could be turned into three to seven or eight wall portraits, which is my average. Um, and then during then I have a step-by-step -step way that I do the projection sale. And by this time, if I've established myself as the trusted advisor, and then we're going step by step, narrowing down, narrowing down, putting in possible categories, then they lean into my advice a lot. And then there's, then there's the step we need of knowing how to edit and or send it off to some fabulous editing company I've heard Who'd about. That <laughs> Who would that be? I don't know. Um, Shout out to photographers and, edit. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh -hoo. laughs> and, um, and printing, you know, knowing how to design or have somebody design albums and um, get the finished art done. So those are the actual steps. Now, yes, we got to figure out how to attract good leads that would potentially mm. love what we do and be able to afford them. But that's a whole different, uh, whole different conversation. Angle to it. 
Yeah. 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 Well, you may have seen me looking down, Lucy. I'm, I'm taking notes here on my notebook, kind of old school. Uh, but the number one point that I wrote down, as you pointed out, I think maybe one of the most poignant um, things that you said during the session, which is to establish yourself as a trusted advisor. And you're right. I mean, you know, it, a lot of maybe younger photographers could, could categorize you and I as the, the old photographers in the room and, and oh, they're making jokes about TikTok and texting. But the reality is on a very objective level, there's no way to connect on a very deep, deep level the way that you can with somebody. I mean, you said phone conversation, honestly, that kind of surprised me. But then, of course, you took it to the in-person conversation and, and consultation. And I think to me, that's where you can really build that trust, where you can make that eye contact with somebody, have a conversation. They can hear mm -hmm. the tone of your voice. They can see your, your um, uh, what's the word that they use? Your body language was the word, the phrase I was mm -hmm. trying to think of. But where there's that genuine interaction. You can, I mean, you can take text conversations or DMs on TikTok or other platforms um, to a certain point, certainly, but it's not going to be the same type of interaction as it's going to be in person where, to your point, you can develop a certain sense of trust, expertise, and as a result, then have a much more effective sales experience. I, I think that's mm -hmm. super important for everybody to remember. Thank you. Yeah. It, we, do you know what mirror neurons are? Mm -hmm. So mirror neurons are these neurons that as humans, we naturally um, are impacted by and can, I don't know if we're always copying them, but there's exchanges between humans in person. Correct. I think Zoom and things like this, uh, a lot of that happens too, but there is something like yesterday I went to my women's photography group and now we do half Zoom and half in person. And, you know, it's a whole different thing to be able to have side conversations and, mm -hmm. you know, laugh together and, and you know, I don't know, say, oh, that's a cute shirt, things like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I yeah. think, you know, I, it, there's an interesting, again, kind of balance here in the, the evolution of culture and technology and certainly the industry. Uh, but objectively speaking, and of course we can, we can kind of back this up with science, um, even the, this concept of mirror neurons, where as, as human beings, we tend to mirror the behavior and potentially even the emotion of the person on the other side of us. So if we have this opportunity to interact with somebody in that way, that experience is going to be drastically different than a text conversation or a post or a comment on Facebook. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's extremely unfortunate that um, even in our, our local photography community here in Chattanooga, the apprehension that photographers have to get out and have a lunch together or get out and have a coffee together and to complain mm -hmm. about a 15 or 20 minute drive across town as being too far, it, just mind boggling to me because you simply cannot have the same experience in an interaction with another human being digitally. It's just, it's not going to be the same. There are all kinds of benefits okay. to it. No question. Um, but the reality is that at the end of the day, as human beings, we are built and wired in a certain way that the experience of being on the other side of somebody in person just simply cannot be replicated digitally. And so we can't minimize that significance, but certainly in the context of sales, I, it'd be very easy for me to go on a tangent there. So I'll come back around, yeah. uh, positioning ourselves as a trusted advisor and, and doing that at the very least with a phone conversation, maybe a zoom conversation, just to get things started. Number two, you said to plant seeds for purchase. And you talked about the idea of having them measure spaces in their house for the sake of placing prints later on. I know there's some digital tools that enable, uh, clients or potential clients to potentially be able to visualize what it might look like to put a print in their home, but you're doing that in person during the consultation. Is that right? Yes. Well, 
during the consultation, I'm having them show me their phone or their iPad um, and just discussing like, oh, you've got these colors, your decor. I also have them photograph the decor. So I can okay. say, uh, okay, you're really big on mid-century modern. So maybe this location and this kind of framing and this kind of composition would really fit your space. So I'm taking it from a photographer to an artist, to a designer. I'm designing custom art. It just happens to come from a camera. That makes sense. And so, so that it might not make any difference in the work I do, but the perception of the work mm. I do is important. So you're planting so, seeds. That planting seeds step, that second step is having them take some some photographs and be thinking a little bit about where they might put prints in their home prior to the consultation. They come to that consultation. You're looking at those images and making recommendations, giving advice based on those, those images that you're seeing, the spaces that they have in their home. Um, you're making recommendations for the prints that they might be able to purchase for those spaces. Yes. And thank you very okay. much for using the word spaces hmm. because that's a big thing I teach is not to say where you might want a wall portrait. Hmm. But the spaces that might be beautiful display to display photographic art. Okay. And even if they say, well, we don't think we want that. It's like, no problem. I just want you to be thinking, looking around. Mm. Because when we're together and you see these images projected wall portrait size, it just might surprise you. Yeah. So. I like to be prepared so that you don't go, yeah, I'd like something, but I don't know how big my wall is. I don't know where I'd put it. We're, we're just doing some thinking. So I make it as little pressure as possible. One of, one of the dangers I, I hear some people um, do is say, oh, I'm going to ask my clients what they want. And then, and they don't say I want a wall portrait, so I'm not going to do that. But for me, I know what I want them to have based on my experience. And uh, if they jump on board with that, great. But I don't think people are going to know what they want until they see the photographs. Other than, you know, I know I'd want a wedding album if I'm getting married. But, um, you know, other, other kinds of things. Uh, like, I don't know. Anything I've purchased. When I bought a car, about a luxury uh, bed uh, a couple of years ago, um, I value the expertise of the salesperson that's going to share things with me. You know, I love certain things about my Subaru that I didn't know I wanted until they shared with me the value of that. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I think so. there is something to be said, by the way. I know we got into this earlier in our conversation about kind of projecting what we think is important onto our clients. I think there is definitely some value as, as experts with experience, being able to share the potential benefits of something with a client um, or for that matter in our individual lives. Hey, I had this particular experience. Mm -hmm. I read this book. I went to this place. I think it's really good. I think you should go too. You would have an amazing time making those recommendations. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely some value there. Um, and speaking of, number four, you talked about keeping some images in mind uh, for the sake of making recommendations. So you've seen pictures of the space. You, you know what images you like. And as you're seeing those images, then you can make those specific recommendations. And then number five is that the projection of the images up onto the wall. Is there a particular type of software that you're using to carry out that process? All kinds of software works. I... 
transitioned and used iPhoto when I first switched from film uh, and they used to make slide proofs. Do you, do you remember those? I don't remember Nathan? slide proofs, no. Yeah, because you weren't selling uh, in person, but they made digital slide or they made old fashioned carousel type slides. And then the digital, they stopped being able to do that. So I had to switch digital. So I figured out how to do my process with iPhoto. Um, photos is a, it, it changed some, this is with Apple, um, but you can do it in Lightroom, you can do it in Bridge. Certainly ProSelect right. is awesome. Um, Fundy does it as well, mm -hmm. but I like to make categories. Uh, part of my secret sauce is, is separating things into potential wall, small, or album images as okay. we're sorting. Okay. And I like the word wall to be, I like to be able to say, oh, let's slide this into the wall category. And, and you know, it's a like a reinforcement. And funny, you can do stars. So it works. One of my uh, clients, um, she was the first one that I learned, oh, you can do this with Fundy. And she was using my system. She just, the, I don't know, the happy face was potential wall. The medium was small. And I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, whatever. you can kind of work within the it system. It all works, but you need a yeah. system. And I love to do a slideshow first of, a, you know, kind of a best of, put to music, uh, three, four minutes, just to set the tone, get that. It So... The other, I just like interrupted myself, <laughs> but emotional selling is the like trusted advisor. Number one, emotional selling is the number two part of how I think this all works is keeping out of the head and into the heart as much as possible. And you're, so, what, what, yeah, like what triggered that thought? And we're going to finish up here, but just to, I guess, kind of in closing, what triggered that, that thought about emotional selling as we're talking about that this, the projection of the images onto the wall. So talking about doing the slideshow put to music mm. to get them to yeah. go <gasps> and feel the images. Mm. And then after we've done a lot of sorting and I've got these three categories, wall, small and album, then to get them back to their emotional reactions, I do that wall grouping as a slideshow. And I run through it twice. And this is the secret, secret, secret sauce. Okay. Uh, and then I say, we've been doing a lot of thinking. I want to go back to the emotions that these brought up at first. So notice which ones give you uh, a, a strong reaction or tug at your heart. And those are the ones, if you order them as art in your home, you're going to have that feeling every day many times a day for the rest of your life that makes sense yeah Cha -ching. Tiny. yeah <laughs> yep i hear you on that yeah and i wasn't really thinking about the slide projection also taking advantage of the projection for the sake of slideshows and as you said with music and that really can make a big impact that that totally makes sense mm -hmm. okay this is this is good i and, and um i probably went a little bit longer than i even meant to but there's a lot of practical advice here and, and i really appreciate that lucy i mean i think in a world where it is very easy to just kind of pass on the digital files because it's, I mean, it's easy for the photographer, it's easy for the end client. 
it would be easy as well to just kind of skim over the potential that still remains when it comes to selling a physical product. Oh, heck yeah. And so I think this is an important conversation. You mentioned earlier, as, as we close here, I'd love for you just to, to share briefly about your consulting service um, through Lucy Dumas um, coaching.com for anybody who missed this at the very beginning. You talk about a client who had their first $10,000 sale for an individual portrait session, which is mind boggling. It's incredible. And I'm sure that that may perk the ears of some listening in. How can they learn a little bit more about how to reach out to you and, and, and get some of that coaching and that advice? Sure. So can I offer something to please? Yeah, feel free. So I would like to offer 10 strategy sessions. I call it the create the business of your dreams strategy session to the first 10 people that either go to lucydumascoaching.com and you can go to the contacts and send me an email that way or just email me at lucy with an i at lucydumas.com and say you'd, you'd like one of those sessions or you'd like to apply Cool. And then we'll connect. And if people are listening online, don't think, oh, well, those are probably all gone because, um, you know, you just never know. So so that's how you reach me is you can go to Lucy Dumas Coaching. I'd love for you to get in on my podcast action and um, <laughs> just get in touch. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link to all of this, of course, in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. For those of you that are not live, live streaming or watching the live stream with us, uh, it is lucydumascoaching.com. I've got that on the screen there. And then you can follow Lucy at the profitable photography underscore pod on Instagram. We'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. Lucy, thank you for making time for us, all of us today. Thanks for the, the conversation. Nathan, really appreciate it. And everybody have an absolutely wonderful, wonderful weekend.